In today's episode, we're speaking to Deidre Fay. Deidre works with people who have crummy histories to develop an inner platform for success to get their needs met for life. With decades of experience as a psychotherapist and an educator, Deidre brings together modern neurobiology and ancient wisdom into a practice of what she calls becoming, becoming safely embodied. Let's find out how she changed her mindset to change her life. Let's find out. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And I'm so excited today. We've got the amazing Deirdre Faye. Hello, Deirdre. Glad to be here for sure. Um, Deirdre is absolutely awesome. As you heard from the intro, she is phenomenal. And I'm so excited that she decided to be a guest for us, which is yeah. So today we're going to be talking to Deirdre about how she got to do what she's doing. She's doing amazing stuff as you all heard. So Deirdre, tell tell everybody again, what it is that you do? Well, what I do is help people who've had difficult histories, I call them sometimes crummy histories, to be able to build a solid self inside. Basically have an unshakable heart so that you can be with whatever life passes at you without crumbling and falling down and just losing yourself and taking years and years to regain yourself and come back to life. So the more we have a what I call a solid platform inside, when life comes and gives us a big jolt, we don't drop all the way to the very lowest place. We actually have a place where we land. Wow. We're like, oh, okay. And from there we can continue. Wonderful, wonderful. So then talk us through, how did you actually fall into this? And this is a very unique niche. It's a very unique area to do. So surely, you know, you must have gone through a few of your own um, such traumatic um, instances, which led you to this path. So, so start us off. Tell us, how did you actually you know, get into doing this? It all started when? So I lived at a yoga ashram back in the 80s. Oh, wow. And it was, yeah, it was wonderful for six years. I loved being there. But in that safe cocoon of living in this ashram, practicing yoga every day, multiple times Where a was day. this ashram? Was it in, in UK or was it abroad? It was in the US and in India. Okay. And so held in this loving space and just cultivating what we call in yoga, the sattvic energy, the, 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 the gentle, compassionate energy and the clear energy. Some, at one point, my trauma history came up. And to be honest, I didn't know I had a trauma history. Oh, okay. I went from being able to do all this yoga meditation. I was training for triathlons, teaching in front of large groups of people, 150 people at a time, to suddenly being able to not get out of bed. And it was like, what happened to me? And this was really before the whole trauma world had developed a, a theory and a way of working with trauma. So I was floundering. And because I'm a seeker, mm. I was like, what, how do I apply the ancient wisdom traditions into this, mm. into this real life experience? And I, that's what I grappled with. And I put myself back together through therapy and through working 
with the ancient wisdom mm-hmm. traditions, yoga, meditation, being on retreat, diving into the teachings. And then I left, I went to school, I got a degree, and then I worked at one of the most uh, well-known trauma clinics in the world and got even further training. And what I did is I started applying what I know to people working with trauma, basically giving them a step-by-step basis of process so that people could uh, work with themselves. I call it scaffolding transformation, small steps Mm. so that you can take the next step like a no-brainer and not be like overwhelmed in the process. Because that's the biggest thing when you have had a crummy history, when life comes through, it just crashes us and we lose all sense of ourselves and we don't know what to do and how to do it. So this is like really step-by-step in a very simple, concrete way. But then what happens is people end up feeling better, Mm. being able to do more in the world and be who they want to be in the world. And they feel like they've landed back in themselves. And that was my personal experience. And that's what I've been doing with people ever since. I mean, I can completely resonate with that because I mean, I, I use part of that in my practice. I mean, even even though it sounds a bit odd because I'm a money mindset expert, but trauma plays a major role in your ability to actually manifest wealth and keep it as well. So I know how much, and sometimes, I mean, I just recently got off um, of a session and somebody mentioned their trauma and I won't give the name, but they, they mentioned the fact that, you know, at, and this lady, you know, I think she's 60 plus. Um, so she's 60 years young. But from something like it happened years ago. So in UK, um, we, you know, you know, you know this. We have something called 11 plus, which I never took, thank God. <laughs> um, my kids are doing now. But she remembered, you know, she, she was capable of doing it. And even though she thought she would be focusing on other trauma, that trauma came up. So, you know, she actually didn't pass her 11 plus, even though she was supposed to, she was the brightest. All her friends did and they all went off to, you know, the grammar school, whatever. And that somehow, I think, has been the pivotal point in her life who's kept her down all the time because it, she, I think, failing that meant that she was a failure. And that's a trauma that she had to work through. But that's as an adult, you think, so what? You know, what's the 11 plus got to do with it? People with 11 plus don't get you either. So what's the big deal? But that's your logical brain saying it internally it's trauma that you have to address i think this is what you address so beautifully isn't it well i'm glad you're bringing it up because it's really true and one of the things i've learned through the research i've done is that what happens is what gets encoded in our really early years Mm. from zero to three Mm. is done in a very experiential way we experience the world we apprehend the world we don't think about what's going on Mm. but what happens then as we get older we develop a cognitive brain we develop a map of the world we have representations of what goes on but the early representations of when I was crying and I needed help and nobody was there, that gets imprinted in us in a different way than our Mm. understanding mind. And so there's a disconnect inside. Mm. And so what people, what people say is, well, I don't, you know, I'm trying to change. I'm using affirmations. I'm doing everything I can, but this core material doesn't get changed because it was laid down so early. Mm. So part of our task is linking this together, being in the here and now, being with the material that's coming up, the old stuff, the traumas, the wounds of our life, bringing it up and connecting them, making peace with them, lining them up inside so that we can move forward in the world in the way that we want to. But that disconnect is where people end up getting derailed. And if you're thinking about money, that's a huge thing because it's such a primitive understanding. It's this basic 
a need. Am I going to be safe in the world? Yeah. Am I going to be taken care of? Yeah. When that gets disrupted, we don't know what quite what to do. And the problem is this energetic experiential world is so real. It's like the air that we breathe, that we forget that we can change it. Yeah. We forget that we have any agency around it. Yeah. I mean, let's go back to your your example. So when you were floored and you're on that in the bed thinking, oh my God, how do I get up? How did you get the courage to, you know, change that and come out of that? Not only transform your life, but then you realize that this is your gift that you have to bring to the rest of the world. How did you, you know, how did you bridge the gap? That's such a, it's such a powerful question. It's also an intimate question. So mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was like, it wasn't enough for me to be doing it for myself. I can remember a moment in time, I was talking to somebody in the hallway where they said, well, you know, this, you got to do this on your own. And I'm thinking, no, no, there's a way where we can do this together. This is not, I felt so alone and so disconnected inside myself. I needed company companionship. I needed community around to make it safe to be able to take the journey. So that was real big fuel for me is how to make it safe for people so that other people can do take the journey as well. Nobody feels left behind. So that was a huge, huge, important piece for me. Another piece was that as I was studying the, the wisdom traditions in, in yoga, for those of you who study yoga, we talk about the area inside of the spine. So you have a spine. And you have a heart and right in front of the spine in the back of the heart is a calm column, let's call it of energy. That's really where the chakras line up inside that column. And what I began to realize is that's where we access our divinity. It's also where we're grounded into the earth and the mother, the great earth mother who teaches us the wisdom of the world. So we have both of that. And along the way, we have all our wounds. So how do we hold all that together, hold it in our hearts so that we can then make connections with the outside world? So we have this vertical column, this vertical axis, but how do we then engage on the horizontal with the external world? It's those two together that really make the difference. How did you actually work that out it sounds amazing and I, I and I completely agree with it because I you know I connect to the light from above and below too so it's a different it's in a different context but I agree exactly that is you have to be connected from above and below but how did he come to that I mean you know how did he come to that conclusion or where did he get the evidence that that's that's correct did you learn it from somewhere or did you come up with this yourself how did it how did you I came up with it, it myself but it's also based on both the ancient wisdom traditions, which there's plenty of material on, but it's also, and this is the part that really like enlivened me is when I read about attachment theory. And so Mm. attachment theory really started in Great Britain with John Bowlby, who was a grandfather attachment theory. And one of the things he did is he began to look at kids and what happened when they were separated from their families, Mm. especially their main caregivers. And so what he and one of his colleagues, James Robertson, also from the UK, were studying is seeing this three phases of what they call separation distress. So the first phase is a kid when they're separated will be really actively protesting, angry, upset, running around, looking for the caregiver, trying to find how do I get back Mm. to this connected place? If that need for connection isn't met, they then fall into this state they call despair. Mm. The state of like, malaise, 
not having the energy to connect. And then if that need for connection is not taken care of at that point, if they fall into a third phase, even worse, they call it detachment. And when I began to look at it in terms of trauma, what we can see is we can call that everything in their protest, right? If you can't get your needs met, then you actively are protesting. And if you continue not getting your needs met, we all go into a depression, but at some point we get even so depressed that we disconnect from ourselves because it's unbearable. So that was a huge bit of it of like, oh, see, here's, here's, here's everything. And then I looked at the research of Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth, and they were looking at kids at the simple, tiniest things of why a kid reaches out. You know, Mm -hmm. if you think about it, uh, later on, a woman named Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen, a body therapist, found out many of the same things, and I call it the embodied cycle of attachment. So a kid is crying and wants something. The only way they know how to ask for it is they actively protest. Come on, help, you know, lift me, right? Or ah, change my diaper. But we don't know what it is. So if it, what happens is a kid needs somebody to attune to it, to be like, oh, that's what you need. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's this. And sort of guess around until there's a connection. Okay. And that's how a kid gets its needs met. So they're reaching for that. They get the need met and they calm down. Mm-hmm. This is the same thing for all of us. I mean, what do you and I do when something doesn't work out the way we like? We're, we get angry and upset. And in our heads, or not just sometimes we do it very verbally, what do we say? It shouldn't be like this. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. It's not right. It should be different. But what began, I was like, wow. How do we know deep inside ourselves that it should be different? If this is the way it's supposed to be, wouldn't we just be like, okay, that's the way it is. But we object to it. Something inside of us knows. Wait, that's not right. Yeah. It's it's a deeper feeling of just knowing because you know, not not logical reason for you to know, but you just know that you know that you know. So how do we know that? Who is it in there Mm. that knows that? Mm. That's where I realize oh, we're connected, right? That's our divine connection. Our Beautiful. Vertical. We Beautiful. know something. Where did we get it? One of the ancient um, texts in yoga says that in the eighth month of being in the fetus in mm. the mother's womb gets its message from its soul of who mm. it's meant to be in this lifetime. And that through the process of birth and the pain of birth, that fetus then becomes an infant and forgets and the rest of the life is about remembering who you're meant to be the sufis talk beautiful stories about very similar things about remembrance how do you remember your true connection i'm like wow i mean my head was exploding it was like putting all these pieces together because this is it right yeah it's about remembering like if if we're not doing well and money's not flowing, we get upset. It shouldn't be like this. I should be having enough money. So then, and what I began to piece together is what is the need that you have? Is it just to be taken care of on a really basic level to have your, uh, your basic needs met, to have your tribal needs met, to know that you're connected to a family Is it that you need comfort and reassurance? Is it you need guidance and mentoring? Is it to know that you're special? 
precious that you're unique in the world. And so money is like showing that, yeah, people want me. Mm -hmm. What, what is the need that's underneath it? When we begin to get those needs, then we can begin to do a step by step. It's like, Oh, that's what I'm protesting about. I need something else. How do I, instead of always orienting to what's wrong, begin to orient to what do I need? What's calling to me? What's my divine purpose in this world? And how do I move in that direction? It's pretty, you know, it's amazing when you think about how simple it is, but I love the fact that there's history and literature and research around all this. So it's not like just some, you know, fairy godmother kind of message. It's, it's really based and grounded in reality. It is. And I, and I love the idea. I mean, what of being connected because this is something that I talk about quite a lot that you're always always connected to divine energy whatever name tag you want to give that to divine energy or even or use the you know the secular one now which is just universal energy I'm good with that I'm not really fussed with labels but just being aware of the fact that you are connected with divine energy and that's where your inner knowing is coming from right is a really good starting point and I love that then you can work, use that as a basis to work through all your traumas. Now, this is a great, so here's a question for you now, which is going to be a lot very different. This is great knowing about it. How do you build a business around it? Now, this is the practical, you know, the, the practical question. How, it's great. And I find that this to be the case with a lot of spiritual uh, people. They are so good at what they do. And they have such amazing gifts and talents but bringing it onto the business platform and trying to serve people by charging them money and make it business out of it, it's a huge step for them to take. So how did you work on your mindset or did you already have it from beforehand to say, no, this is an amazing gift that I have for people and I'm going to charge them for it. So how did you do that? Well, a little bit of trial and loss, you know, <laughs> trying to figure it out, but because we're always working on our mindset, aren't we? Yeah. There's always all that old stuff is coming up. Be clear, and we have this. The whole concept in yoga is there it, within our field. We have these wounds that then the life force prana is coming through and said, "Okay, let's clean this out so that you are free." But when we're like getting that samskara and that wound released, it's painful. We know, well, we all know that, and that's gonna. That's the life. That's our life journey. So let's just accept it and do that. But what we can begin to do is that if we're lined up inside, if we're in the flow. And this is all the research on the flow and peak performance is all in that. When we're in flow, then we begin to open to something and something is guiding us in the direction. When we're in that flow, then prosperity is, is part of the package because that's what's supposed to happen. Mm. Now, prosperity might not mean huge sums of money. It might mean total contentment. It might feel ease. It might feel um, like less worry about money, but that money starts flowing without the efforting of it. And we're always having to refine that and connection. So part of what I do when I work with people is what is it that you are being called to? Mm -hmm. When in that calling, when you attune to what is your right fit client, the people that you want to work with, the business that you want to form, how is that in alignment with you mm. in the, on your vertical axis so that you can share that with the world? When we're in that sweet spot, connected in the heart, 
that's where it, it begins to happen. Now, then there's actual work, right? You have to go out there and see, talk to people, learn how to interact, have sales conversations, serve people. Mm-hmm. But when that happens, you're in alignment and the people that you want to connect to come and say, oh, right, right? We're, then you're in your tribe, you're in your belongingness, I love that. I love that. I love that. So thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. We have to have you back, Deirdre. You are so amazing. We're going to have to have you back. And we are, we will, everybody, have Deirdre back on our money talking segment. We just, <laughs> I think this is a bit of a bit of overlap because we end up talking more about those concepts. But they're so interesting. And then I, I enjoyed um, listening so much that I didn't want to interrupt. But I think we need to go a bit more in depth and explore a little bit more on our money talkies segment so we will we'll have to have you back Deirdre but for the time being tell us where can we find you and how can we connect with you sure well um one way is through my new book that just came out it was like within weeks that it sold thousands and thousands of copies oh, wow uh it's uh becoming safely embodied mm. it's about this whole process it's my third book but um it's going gangbusters and you can get it or you can look for it on dfay.com. That's my website. It's on Amazon. If you're in the U.S., uh, we actually have a $10 offer. We couldn't get the shipping going to other places in the world. But um, you can look at it at dfay.com forward slash book. And or you can look at it on Amazon. Uh, all my courses and programs are there. We have a accelerator coming on, a two-day live workshop, which is all about this whole process and where we do it in the process. It's an actual workshop. So you get things done and move your life forward. Wonderful, wonderful. And for those listening, remember all these links that Deirdre has just mentioned will be in the show notes. Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, down below in the description, we will have the links as well. So don't worry, rest assured. But I just wanted Deirdre to mention it. But again, thank you so much, Deirdre. I can't wait to have this conversation again um, at a deeper, more in-depth level on our Money Talkie segment. Thank you for being an amazing guest for us today. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. And for those watching or listening to this episode, thank you so much for joining us. I will be back on another Friday feature segment, talking to another amazing guest, sharing how they change their life by changing their mindset. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website, www.gulkhan.com. That's G-U-L-L-K-H-A-N.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day millionaire mindset makeover challenge, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.millionairemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in our next five-day challenge. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan. Take care and bye for now.